Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Academy, announcing the 24th of our Italian Wine Ambassador courses to be held in London, Austria, and Hong Kong from the 27th to the 29th of July. Are you up for the challenge of this demanding course? Do you want to be the next Italian Wine Ambassador? Learn more and apply now at vinitaliinternational.com. Italian Wine Podcast, a Wine to Wine Business Forum 2021 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions highlighting the key themes and ideas from the two-day event held on October the 18th and 19th. 2021. This hybrid edition of the Business Forum was jam-packed with the most informed speakers discussing some of the hottest topics in the wine industry today. For more information, please visit winetowine.net and tune in every Thursday at 2pm Central European Time for more episodes recorded during this latest edition of Wine to Wine Business Forum. Hello and uh, welcome to everyone. It's quite exciting to be back again and uh, see each other face to face. I'm happy to introduce you to uh, Mark Millen today, uh, one of our Venetia um, um, Italian wine ambassadors. So one of the greatest person to talk about Italian wines and especially as his uh, uh, great experience uh, uh, in testifying how communication has changed and uh, how traveling has changed, uh, how wine tasting has changed in this last period. Mark has been uh, writing and living the, uh, the wine business uh, for quite a bit now. His first book dates back to 18, sorry, to 1982. <laughs> And together with his wife, Kim, was really able to testimony what happened in this uh, uh, long time and how things are still changing. So without further ado, I will leave the word to Mark to introduce us to this beautiful session today. Thank you very much, Valentina. I'm really delighted to be sharing this platform with you. It's a great pleasure. It's, I'm so happy to be here in Verona. I can't tell you how happy I am to be able to travel again after this terribly, terribly difficult period. And uh, just to be back in Italy is a joy. But also to be here at Wine to Wine, where we're, we're not just in a room, but we're also communicating beyond two people, wherever they are. And, and this is one of the things that really, I think, has come from the pandemic. As Valentina said, I'm a wine, food, and travel writer, and it's something I've been doing for a very long time. My first book uh, was called The Wine and Food of Europe. It was published in 1982, followed by The Wine Roads of Europe in 1983. And just to put this in context in this digital world, my books, my first books, I wrote on a typewriter. There'll be people here who've never seen a typewriter or ever used a typewriter, but uh, that's the way it was done then. My wife, as a photographer, was a, took photos on a film camera, which meant that although we're so used to being able to look at our photos instantly and publish them instantly, the, the film would have to be sent away to be processed as transparencies because that's what publishers use to have high-quality 
illustrations in books. And when we were organizing our trips, we would have to write letters to wine producers, letters, and we would have to wait for to receive letters back from wine producers. And when we would, would try to uh, make telephone con uh, calls in Italy, we would use the public telephone with gettone. Now, does anybody remember gettone? The little coins with a slot in them, and you would need a suitcase full to make uh, to make about you know a ten-minute call. So it was a very, very different time. And over this period, of course, wine in Italy has changed immensely. New generations are now in their family wineries. The evolution the, uh, and the quality of Italian wine is, has improved immensely. And the way we communicate about wine has also uh, evolved immensely. And today is an example of that. Of course, it's been a wretched time for everybody, not being able to travel and being locked within our own our own homes. I mean, in the, in the UK and England, we were not allowed to leave the house except for buying essential foods and buying uh, and 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 an hour of exercise if we were lucky. So it's it's really restricted those of us who have spent our lives traveling. But fortunately, wine is unique in its power to transport us, its power to take us places. Within a bottle of wine, we have a place, the place where those grapes were grown. And we have a time, we have the year when the grapes are grown. So it's a unique product. And wine has really been one way during the pandemic that we've been able to travel, travel to some beautiful places. I've been spending time in the classic heartland of Prosecco Superiore, these beautiful wine hills between Valdobbiadene and Conigliano on a magnificent press trip that I enjoyed recently. And I'll speak a little more about this later. One of the earliest trips that I did, virtual trips that I did, was to a wine country I have longed to visit for many years, Georgia. Where the, where the source of wine began 8,000 years ago. And I was able to visit Georgia during this time when I was in my home. I've been to many places. And when I went into the Ramirez de Ganuza bodega in Rioja, I really felt that I was there. I could smell the oak barrels, French oak in this case, that uh, were in that bodega when I was tasting in a vertical tasting with the wine producer and indeed with uh, Sarah Jane M Evans, a master of wine. I've been many other places um, in Italy, across Spain, discovering wines and foods. And I'm sure you have too, all without leaving my home in Southwest England. Uh, is there anybody here who has not taken part in a virtual wine tasting since lockdown? Well, I think that shows how what we've all been doing. Is there anybody who had taken part in a virtual wine tasting, perhaps a Zoom tasting, before lockdown? Well, that's incredible because in 18 months, that demonstrates how we've all changed our behavior and we've all been to some wonderful places. And I hope afterwards, when we have some time for a discussion, we can hear some of your experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, 
of uh, how, how you have found your experiences. I surveyed uh, about 50 wine professionals, people who uh, work in all sectors of wine, wine communicators, wine producers, wine educators, masters of wine, sommeliers, uh, brand ambassadors, people in all sectors of wine, like we have here in this room or wherever you are uh, watching this from. And every person who responded to my survey found that virtual wine tastings are very positive. And 60% said they're an efficient use of time, and 60% found them an important way to keep in touch with professional colleagues. 56% like the ease of not having to travel to a wine tasting event. And 93% of those involved in selling wine found virtual tastings a vital way to keep directly in touch with customers. But it's it's not all rosy and all perfect. I mean, there, there are many things we miss about face-to-face -face encounters. The most, um, the, the, the largest uh, moan really was at 70% miss being able to meet up with professional colleagues, with wine producers, with importers and buyers in person. Wine is convivial. Wine is something that brings us together. And yes, we can connect electronically, but it's not the same. 60% said that no matter how good the content, an online tasting can never be like a live wine tasting. And I think we would all agree with that. However, however good the, the, the presentations are. 56% had issues with the quality of wines when sent in small sampling bottles or other containers. And there have been other issues, technical glitches, poor internet, sound, poor or less polished delivery of content. You know, this is a new thing. We're all learning how to do it. And I think that things have improved greatly over these months, but you know, we're not all professional presenters and it can be difficult. And again, back to the samples, getting samples to intended recipients, getting the samples to arrive, uh, you know, if they arrive in less than ideal condition, it really defeats the purpose of, of a tasting. So I'd like to look at, at some examples of virtual wine tastings that were focused at consumers, and as well, we'll look at uh, wine tastings focused at uh, wine professionals in different sectors. And I'm choosing as an example here the Wine Society. The Wine Society is a really interesting wine retailer in the UK. Founded in 1874 as a members cooperative, a way for people to pool their money together to buy wines at good prices um, and also to pay wine producers a fair price. So the Wine Society has been a, around a long time. I've actually, again, I'm dating myself. I've been a member for nearly 40 years, because the Wine Society is the sort of thing that when we were married, my father-in-law gifted me a membership. It was where he bought his wines. It's where he bought his claret, his hawk, and his vintage port. But the Wine Society has really, um, really changed with times and is now, it has a fantastic list of wines from around the world with strong relationships with producers that it's nurtured and built and uh, this is its strength. 
And there are 170,000 member, 70, members in the UK. So when lockdown hit, actually online wine is a business that did well. We didn't have anything else to do. We were all drinking lots of wine. But um, the Wine Society has always uh, really valued its live events. Although the, the sales are now online, they used to be mail order where you actually filled in a piece of paper and put it in the post and sent it back. Uh, it's now all um, online. Um, but they've always valued live events, whether events at Stevenage, their headquarters, tastings, or indeed their road trips where they'll go around the UK meeting members, taking the wines to members, perhaps wine dinners, uh, ways to connect people directly to, to wine. And these, um, these events needed to transition to virtual, and they did so very quickly. And the Wine Society has now put on 120 virtual wine tasting events, consumer-focused, events free to members, and no obligation to purchase. This isn't a way of just trying to increase sales. It's a way to give added value to the members, to help members to understand the wines better. So some of the some of the events the wine wine society's done winemaker events winemaker events are so important. The first the first event the wine society put on was a winemaker event with Chateau Mouzard, this iconic winery in the Bekaa Valley in the Lebanon, and it was so popular that 1,500 1,500 people members registered to take part in this wine tasting. And I think that was a real eye-opener. It really impressed on uh, the, the people at the Wine Society, the interest and the need and the desire for people. Yes, during lockdown, when we, when we were looking for things, activities we could do in our homes, but just that interest in, in meeting winemakers. They had a, a variety of other consumer-focused events ongoing events, Friday night takeaway, matching society's wines to takeaway meals. In the UK, we, we might get a takeaway meal on a Friday, a Chinese takeaway, an Indian takeaway, an Italian takeaway. And now during lockdown, the proliferation of really interesting foods available for takeaway as restaurants were shut and had to uh, transition to find a way to get some revenue it has really been uh, another feature of lockdown. But this is an evening where you can try different wines to go with different takeaways. Desert Island wines, this would be wine people talking about their Desert Island wines, wines that are important, have been important in their lives. And uh, that's an interesting concept as well. A lot of cheese and wine evenings, restaurant meal kits, with matched wines, working with some of some of the top chefs in the UK. Again, a way to help the restaurants that have suffered so badly in this period. Sip size sessions, these are great. 45 minute sessions. This is Anna Spooner giving one recently on the Riesling grape. Three wines they suggest, one from, from uh, the Rheingau in Germany, another from Austria and uh, an Australian Riesling. And so she gave a 45-minute, really concise, very well-informed uh, talk about this great grape Riesling. And members could purchase those wines, uh, which, but it was not obligatory. Now, the Wine Society is a big 
a big organization. But virtual wine tastings can work really well for small specialist retailers too. But they need to enlist whatever resources are available. I mentioned that Georgian wine tasting that was so fascinating. Well, it's actually a very small company called Givino, started by two friends, Anzor, a Georgian, and Danilo, an Italian. And they just love the wines of Anzor's country. And so they began to import on a small scale Georgian wines to sell retail. Didn't have a lot of resources, didn't have a lot of budget, but they found that virtual wine tasting were really a way to, to spread what they were doing. And they could enlist the help of the uh, wines from Georgia uh, office in London who could supply them with uh, lots of information um, with as well as with a master of wine, a wonderful master of wine, Sarah Abbott, who has also worked um, with the Prosecco. And uh, these events, this actually event really demonstrated to me the power of virtual wine tastings for the winemaker from Georgia was coming into my home from his living room in Tbilisi, talking about the wines, talking about why it's important in Georgia to ferment in Quebri, these giant terracotta receptacles, which we're finding more and more in Italy and elsewhere. And so we had the winemaker giving a presentation. We had the wines as well. And we had Sarah Abbott, the brilliant Sarah Abbott, talking us through the nuances of the wines. And it really impressed upon me how these virtual wine tastings can do something that a real wine tasting would struggle to do. It would be very hard for Givino to organizing that, bringing Lado over from Georgia and also bringing people in to London. And this is something that could be done by a small importer. Now, master classes with winemakers. I think what we, what I found most of all is a common theme throughout the virtual wine tastings I've been involved in is that we want to meet the wine producers. This is the most important and the most valuable thing that a virtual wine tasting can give us. It takes us into the cantina, into the bodega, into the cave. It takes us directly to where the wine's made and we hear directly from the people that make the wine. And I think that that is so valuable and I think the power of wine producers to be able to tell, to tell your message in this way, in a way that really wasn't possible before, we weren't doing this, is absolutely fascinating. And Valentina, I'd like to bring you in now to talk about what you have been doing at Marchese di Barolo and you know how, how it's been for you during these tough months. Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local food, and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show. For me, it was a beautiful experience to get in touch with more people interested about our wines, about our um, our territory, and somehow shorten distances that even when we were able to travel was still so very long. Thank you, Valentina. It's really great to hear your experience. Um, and I think that is so important that you 
found this valuable and enjoyable as well. And that's, you know, it, it is so important over this period that we use the time we had, you know, we not usually have time in our lives, but we use time wisely to enrich what we can do and also to learn new things about new ways of doing things. Now, wine is, is about learning, but it's also about entertainment and it's about fun. It's about infotainment and i just want to bring in one example of virtual wine tastings with three uh the three wine men who are really the uk's wine royalty Oz clark tim atkin mw and ollie smith joined here in this picture by the lovely susie atkins who actually is a neighbor of mine lives in devon as well um these are great wine communicators communicators that are known through television, through their work in television, through their books, really through their newspaper articles. And actually they've, uh, they've been able to, um, pr prior to lockdown, the three wine men events were big extravagant events that would take uh, the three wine men and sometimes Susie as well uh, to different places around the country um, to uh, really to make wine accessible and fun. Oz is a great wine communicator. He's on fabulous palate, and, but also completely makes wine understandable and unstuffy. And they, their, their events are brilliant. But during lockdown, they had to transition to virtual. And Claire Malik, who is the producer of the three wine events, told me that this was even for seasoned professional presenters, this was not an easy transition, trying to find out what, uh, what platform to use best, uh, trying to figure out the best ways to send wines and making contacts with the producers and finding that if they're zoning, coming in from, zooming in from their own vineyards, that it's all working seamlessly. And it took a while. Claire said it took it took a while, but they they've worked things out, and now these virtual events are are really really successful, attracting large numbers. And as Claire says here, one of the good things, and there are good things that have come out of COVID nineteen, is virtual wine tastings, and it's interesting because it's been a learning process for all, and even even uh, Oz and Tim. And all they were learning from that, finding that if you bring food into a virtual wine tasting, the audience expands greatly. Wine tastings themselves interest wine people, people who love wine. But when a food element comes in, then other, other, the audience can grow. For example, this great steak night in with the Argentinian producer of Malbec joining from his vineyard with a giant barbecue set up in the vineyard. All is talking about the wines from his home in London, and a butcher from Somerset who had sent out two steaks to the people that bought into this, talking from his farmhouse kitchen on how to cook the perfect steak. So I think an event like that is really, really exciting. And it's something that wouldn't have happened prior to this, you know, the virtual tastings coming up. Now, we've also been doing virtual tastings for, uh, for, for professionals, for wine communicators, for example. The Circle of Wine Writers is an organization I've been involved in, a member of for a very long time. And the Circle of Wine Writers quickly began to transition its monthly wine tastings that previously took place in London into virtual tastings that have been very successful, along with 40 Zoom webinars, 
and virtual press trips. And it's really been a way to actually connect members more directly wherever they're located. I'm three hours from London, but I felt more connected in a way by, because of the virtual tastings that we've been, I've been able to go to. This virtual press trip to Conigliano, which Valdobbiadene, which I mentioned, organized by Michelle Shaw, who is here and we'll hear from in just a minute, was such a wonderful experience. Two days, an immersive experience, professionally organized and delivered with a panel of experts, led and hosted by Michelle, where we, you know, were le learning from viticulturists with enologists with the authors of a wonderful book on the terroir of the Rive, the single vineyards of Prosecco, and then tasting the wines with Sarah Abbott again, and also tastings with the producers themselves. And it was a, a virtual press trip that was delivered to journalists and writers around the world. Business to business virtual tastings, connecting wine producers to importers, virtual wine tastings with buyers, webinars, digital wine fairs, all of these things have been going on. All of these things have been ways that people have been uh, able to carry on um, with their activities. So at this point, I'd like to ask Michelle to tell us a little bit about, about speed tasting, which is something you've been doing this um, in real life for a long time, but speed yeah. tasting had to develop. Well, thank you, Mark. Um, Yes, I must say that um, the digital world in the last two years has really um, helped to develop so many different um, opportunities for everybody. You've heard so many now. I don't think you can compare the two. They're not comparable, um, but um, they do complement each other. I think very much that um, once uh, hopefully things go back, to normal. I think we need to have both things. And I think um, the, the virtual ones obviously offer a tremendous opportunity um, without having to travel. Um, they are maybe less expensive, better for the environment. But what you don't, may, maybe what you don't know is that behind any virtual um, organized event or, or trip, there's an enormous amount of work to do. There's actually far more work. I've done hundreds of B2Bs um, in presence. I've, I've worked for Verona Fiera for 15 years in the past, bringing loads of importers to uh, Verona Fiera. I've worked for consortios for the last 20 years, organizing press trips, organizing importer events, B2B events in the regions. And now uh, with this new, uh, what can I say, opportunity, because it has been an opportunity, uh, I've learned uh, to take my skills from organizing maybe an event in presence to an event online. Where I think there is a big problem and where maybe online events have gained not uh, the reputation that they should have is because people have improvised. You need, whatever you do, you need to do it professionally and the event has to be seamless, if you see what I mean. You know, you can be faffing behind the scenes, you know, you can be, you know, somebody's not on time, but you, you, need, to, you need to really structure it professionally. And in order to do that, as I said before, 
there is a tremendous amount of work. I'm just going to read you a few points of what I do before I do an event. Um, in, you know, in the sense of whether it's a press trip or whether it's um, um, a B2B speed tasting. Uh, speed tasting is my brand. And at the moment, um, I've done about 40 speed tastings in the last uh, two years. I've been working with um, an Italian um, uh, website, which probably, if there's anybody here from Italy, I'm not sure who, if, who the audience is, if it's international or Italian, but they are Wine Meridian. And Wine Meridian have, uh, their input is to find the producers, and mine is to set the event up with the importers. So um, we both have different, um, a different sort of... Uh, uh, duties or different different aspects of the of the organization so mine is actually um, setting up the event on a platform and and carrying it out and you have to ha be extremely careful with the importers that you that you invite for example as I said I've been working 20 years with importers I have a large roster I know who's reliable and who's less reliable who's more punctual who's less punctual um, this, this can be cultural. It can be a question of, of knowing who you're actually dealing with. Therefore, what you need to do if you, if you're having an event with somebody that you haven't yet, um, interacted with, you need to have a Zoom interview with that person. You need to actually understand if that person is going to be punctual or not punctual, because what you don't want to have is a no show. So you need to vet all very carefully, all your, in my case, my importers. And in this sense, I also have um, a pre-event briefing, which means that I bring the importers and the producers online for a short introduction to each other. Um, it, at the same time, maybe um, you take uh, the advantage of doing a presentation of the region so that the importers get something out of the pre-event briefing um, they get to know the region. If it's, if it's with a single region, if it's, if it's with all Italy, that cannot be done. But you can brief them on how the event is going to take place so that each and every one of them understands and understands the importance of being there on time. You talk to the producers. You can do maybe a course on how to present on Zoom. And, you know, in that case, therefore they have something. Then you do the event. The event is a presentation. Each one has his slot of time, 15 minutes to produce two wines. Before that, of course, you send the wines over. They get, you know, through, an, through a, a shipping agent. They get there in time. Um, they get there, you know, in one shipment only. You don't want to send it in, in several shipments. You exchange information. You do the event all in one morning or one afternoon, depending on what um time frame you're on and then you do your um then the the importers do their selection they have a they can select two three four five meetings again this is all set up on zoom zoom the next day so you know everything is done with great precision the uh, individual meetings are carried out between the importers and the producers in the days that follow the speed tasting and then I get a feedback from the importers. And then um, after the initial feedback, there's another feedback after six months. So all, all of these stages 
need to be arranged. You need to have people who come on punctually. You need, you know, that everybody needs to know that they're on the same boat. So that is actually um, an opportunity. I would say it's an opportunity for um, producers to show their show their um, products to um, 10 different markets. You have 10 different importers. And it all functions very seamlessly in one morning, plus their, um, you know, follow-up meetings. So therefore, um, you know, it, it, it's actually very effective. You may go to a, to a trade fair. You may be there for two days. You don't know if you're going to have 10, uh, you know, 10 meetings or not. Here, you, you, you know, they have 10 meetings. It may not be in country. They may not be, you know, able to go and then visit the region, but they've had this interaction. They've had this follow up and then they can take it from there. So it's, it's a good stepping stone and it's been extremely, extremely effective. And I think extremely appreciated by both the importers and both the, uh, the producers. And I think it has the possibility of continuing. I'm not going to say any more because um, I'd like thank to leave the microphone to uh, to the speakers here who are here. And I thank thank you for allowing me to explain. Well, well thank this. you. And I think Michelle, you've really demonstrated there. Um, I know you. Um, I know the efforts you take to to the detail you go into to ensure these events are seamless. And that's why I wanted people to hear from directly from you because. A successful virtual tasting doesn't just happen. And this is some of the takeaways that we can get. I think we really can conclude um, now. I was going to talk about the wine samples and the logistics of sending wines in small containers. These are things that need to be looked at because they can be problematical. But I, I hope that the takeaway from this is that virtual wine tastings are a positive thing. They're here to stay even as part of the new normal. They are an incredibly powerful tool. They're fun. And I think that Michelle's touched on some of the things that need to be done to make a successful tasting. But I think above all, and Valentina, I hope you'll agree, above all, a successful tasting is one that is enjoyable because wine is something that brings joy into our lives. We want to share that joy and virtual tastings are one way that we can do so. For sure. I think that we all learned uh, a lot from that. Uh, we were able to travel, to dream, in my opinion, too, by uh, having a wine in our glass and speaking with someone that either makes the wine or believes in it and speaks about it through a screen. I don't know, are there some questions uh, from all? Hi there, I'm Carrie Koizer. Nice to meet you and thank you for the presentation. Um, this may be far too specific, so please tell me if it is. Um, <laughs> um, I'm very interested in the prospect of sending small bottles because I know that sometimes it can't always be regulated. I'm wondering if there are special deals um, that are made with different uh, wineries internationally that make something like that possible or legal. And if this is common in an international concept, like would you send wine from one country in small, like, Say you had a import company or a distribution company, and you were using small bottles of wine to demonstrate to a totally different market, like this is what is offered from these vineyards that we represent. Is that something currently happening? Is that 
something that there's that varies between regions? Um, I, I think it I think it is something that's going to be varying very very much between country between markets. Yeah. Um, and I and and these things are not easy to do. For example, Brexit now has complicated things yes. greatly in the UK. Even getting um, whether it's small samples or or full bottles, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's frankly, it's a nightmare at the moment. And there are problems in other places. I think the, the small bottle issue as well is, is making sure the quality of the wine in those small bottles is, um, you know, if you don't send a sample that is really top quality, you're defeating the purpose of the tasting. Absolutely. So it is something that needs to be explored. I think it will develop and evolve in, in the coming years. Wonderful. Thank you so much. What is the difference between a good virtual tasting and a bad virtual tasting in terms of production values and content? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, what makes a good tasting. I hope we've covered some of that in this. Um, but in terms of um, the, the production of actually doing it, you mean putting it together, Michelle was talking about the difficulties in creating events that are effective and that really get that message over. But I don't think that we can expect wine producers to always be as professional as the three wine men that have a production team behind them. I think as well, the production values are important, but I think as well, what's more important from my experience, from my um, belief is to really hear directly from wine producers from the heart, to hear to hear people that really love what they're doing, talking about their wines. And then we will put up with the odd technical glitches, the things that maybe aren't so good. But if the wine is bad in those little bottles, then I think that's a problem. And so that's one thing that I would say needs to be looked at. Thanks, I have a question for both of you, especially Valentina. I do agree with you, Sarah, too. I got so many oxidized bottles that were sent in small bottles. Uh, I enjoyed, I thanks for the presentation. I did enjoy over the last 18 months when I wasn't traveling. Um, to do a lot of virtual tastings, especially for media, uh, journalists, writers, whatever. But I'd love to hear from both of you, especially Valentina. Do you did you feel like it was actually effective um, in holding virtual tastings for consumers, people that weren't in the wine media space? Thanks. I think it was extremely effective because of this uh, um, ability of shortening distances. We were really able to do some better communication because we were. Uh, I can speak for myself, but we were home in our comfort zone. Uh, we were able to pull out, because of the uh, richness of the area, maps, uh, therefore be even more precise in our presentations. Usually when you're speaking to consumers, uh, you are in um, in public and you don't have the availability of these tools. While through a screen, everything was more easy. And uh, we did see some return in that, some return in um Question made said that question made that we're always more professional, even by people that were not from the business, but just one lovers and passionate. Uh, we saw some return now with people that are traveling to the region or who are contacting us to have more information. So I think that uh, from a just communication point of view, this moment has been crucial. As we said many times today, it's been a great opportunity for all of us to become also from a producer point of view even more professional in the way we explain uh, what we do and um, uh, how the region looks like. So in this sense, I think that we were really able to learn a lot and uh, I trusted that this uh, 
uh, new opportunity will be implemented in the future too. So we will take advantage from this lesson that we learned. Since the beginning of the lockdown, one of the first uh, headaches I think that we all had was what to do in these days and how to be able to still engage people. And it turned out to be probably even better than before. Well, actually, I, I can't um, add to that. I think that to hear directly from and Valentina as a wine producer really demonstrates, you know, the, the, the power of, of, of what we've learned over all this period. And, and it's interesting as well that for Valentina as well, this is something that will continue. Just a, um, last uh, to uh, sum up this, I think that what Michelle said is crucial. It had to be well organized. Every single event had to be uh, extremely functional. Um, and functioning very well, because otherwise the message that you can send is just the opposite of what you really want to do. So you risk to send uh, uh, to let the experience not be the best one, and you have no chance to compensate. If you're person to person, it's easier. If you're not there, the moment you close your screen and then there is no chance, you can continue the conversation. So for sure, organization from anyone in the, in the chain is, uh, is extremely important. And if the uh, scene is set up perfectly, then it's the best opportunity that we have as producer to engage. Uh, uh, to engage people and the wine, of course, that has to be well presented, therefore in a stable, um, in a stable bottle and not oxidized and that can show well. So thank you very much for this, uh, intervention, Mark, for allowing us to travel even more and to discover the background of what we just see in the screen. And uh, thank you all for your participation today. Yes, Till next travel. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali Academy, home of the gold standard of Italian wine education. Do you want to be the next ambassador? Apply online at vinitaliinternational.com for courses in London, Austria, and Hong Kong, the 27th to the 29th of July. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast, and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. Hi guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.